0: What's up, everybody? My name is Zach Schellmer. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Today, for Monday, October 23rd. I'm looking forward to today's show. It was a it was a really busy weekend in sports, and a busy weekend for me personally. I worked at a football game. It was raining. It was wet. It was, it's been really cold and rainy where I live here in Pullman, Washington. Um, but I'm really excited to talk about what happened this weekend. A lot of big stuff happened. The lead story for me today is that not only did Tom Brady and the New England Patriots Dismantle the Atlanta Falcons last night, but the lead story to me, the most important thing I want to take away from this is that both Cam Newton and Matt Ryan, both former NFL MVPs, lost their football games. You know the Panthers lost three to seventeen to the Chicago Bears. Cam Newton looked horrid yesterday. He had a bad attitude. We'll talk about that later. He didn't look good, and the Falcons lost seven to twenty-three to the New England Patriots. And Matt Ryan has looked pedestrian to, to average all year. He's just, he's not the same guy he was last year. And everyone this year was ready to put Matt Ryan onto this giant pedestal. Matt Ryan is the future of the NFL. He is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Whatever you wanted to say, it's like Matt Ryan was completely overrated, in my opinion, all off season. And I said last week, this is what I said. Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, and Tom Brady. Those are the three most important people in the entire NFL. And then and there's that word important. Could that also mean valuable? I want I have, I have an axe to grind with the term MVP. Most valuable player. That is what I want to talk about today. That MVP is the stupidest term in the entire world. MVP should mean. Quarterback of the best football team in the NFL. That's what MVP has come to mean in the NFL. It drives me nuts. So, so last night, I was trying to figure out, okay, what, what does valuable mean? I googled the de- definition of valuable. On Google, the definition of valuable, there, there are two things, and there are a lot of... just It's a mishmash of things. Here's what two of the definitions were, the top two. Valuable means worth a great deal of money. And the second term is... second. Phrasing or or definition of valuable is a thing that is of great worth, so that doesn't really help me. Isn't a quarterback isn't worth a lot of money? He is, but it's like that doesn't. How do you how do you determine most valuable when giving an award? And a thing that is of great worth. Well, obviously, it's very valuable. It's got great worth. And then I looked up on the NFL website. Can I find? Does the NFL define the definition of most valuable player? And everywhere online, it just says the MVP stands for most valuable player. And I'm like, well, great. That pretty much means it's up to me to determine what does valuable mean to myself and how should we vote on most valuable player. So how do we define value? What makes you valuable? Is it statistics? Clearly the NBA values statistics. That's why Russell Westbrook won the MVP last year. And and, and before you say anything, I've heard, you know, to me personally, I think it should be, what does your team do without you? How, how important are you to your team? And, and what, well, yes, Russell Westbrook is very important to his basketball team. The narrative last year, everyone was talking about the triple-double. Everyone in the NBA made Russell Westbrook's MVP about statistics. Oh, he's averaging a triple-double. It's amazing. And I would have agreed with Russell Westbrook being MVP if the narrative had been this. If the narrative around Russell Westbrook being the NBA MVP had been, the Thunder are nothing without him. Russell Westbrook is carrying the Thunder, and the Thunder need Russell Westbrook to win games. Because without Russell Westbrook, the Thunder are nothing. But that is not the narrative the media chose. It's not what everyone argued. Everyone argued, to me, it's about the triple-double. He needs the MVP because of the triple-double. To me, MVP isn't about stats. It's not about statistics. Statistics don't make you valuable. For example, Oscar Robinson in 1961 and 19, the 1961-1962 NBA season, Oscar Robinson also averaged a triple-double. And Oscar Robinson did not win the NBA MVP. That's because the best player in the league, the actually the actual most valuable player in the NBA, Bill Russell, won the MVP of the 1961 NBA season. It's not about statistics. And it should never be about statistics. So, so... This is how I define valuable. This is what makes the most valuable player in the NBA, in the NFL, in baseball, no matter what it is. A synonym for valuable is crucial. Crucial means this, critical, especially in success or failure. In other words, that person is necessary for you to win games. That's how I define valuable. You know, what's the most valuable thing I own? What's the most valuable object in my life? Well, I have, I have this really nice mic. I have a lot of my nice microphones. I'm talking to a $1,500 camera. Um, I, I have my audio mixer. I have, uh, again, mics, a camera, my lighting, my lighting, which isn't that great today. It's bit bothering me, pissing me off. But the most important thing, I have all this high-tech expensive equipment in this room. The most valuable thing I own is my computer. Because all of this, the microphone, the lights, the camera, the mixer, all of this is totally irrelevant if I don't have that Apple computer. Because my computer is how I put everything out. And with, with a lesser microphone, with a lesser camera, with not as good of lights, with natural lighting, with my iPhone, I could still make videos if I had a computer. But what I couldn't do, with I could take all the tools in this room, the mic, the lights, the camera, without a computer... I have no way to make videos. Without my computer, I cannot make videos. My computer, therefore, is the most valuable thing in my room. So who is the most valuable player in the NFL? Until last weekend, I would have said Aaron Rodgers. Because Aaron Rodgers was absolutely carrying the Packers roster. The Packers roster is atrocious. They they may not win a game the rest of the year. They are that bad. And... Then Aaron Rodgers got hurt. So it's like, well, that kind of stinks. Now I, can't, now I can't say Aaron Rodgers is MVP all year. So who does that leave us with? Well, the two most important people to their football teams are Derek Carr and Tom Brady. Because without Derek Carr, the Raiders can't move the football. The Raiders are absolutely useless without Derek Carr. They can't move the football. They can't win games. That's why I think him coming back early from his injury, Derek Carr, is so heroic. Because without Derek Carr, the Raiders can't win games. But to me right now, the, the MVP of the NFL is Tom Brady. The NFL, the MVP right now, currently, is Tom Brady. You know, it, here's what's really sad about this. Tom Brady will not win the MVP. Because people get bored with success. Because if it were up to me, LeBron James would be the NBA MVP every single season. Because LeBron James makes the, Warriors, makes the Cavaliers good. Everywhere LeBron James has gone, they've immediately become a, an NBA finals team. Overnight, LeBron joins your basketball team, you're suddenly amazing. Here's an example of not valuable. My, one of my favorite political commentators is a guy named Colin Moriarty. I'm afraid to say that. I don't like saying that. I liked him better when he did video games, to, to be honest, to be fair. Um, but he, he worked for a company I love called Kind of Funny. Kind of Funny is a small media company. And Colin Moriarty was one of the original founders of the company. Colin Moriarty helped make Kind of Funny what it is. It's a media company that makes quite a lot of money, actually, for what it is, um, talking about video games. Colin Moriarty left the company earlier in 2017. And the company not only is doing fine, the company is making more money than they did before. What does that tell us? As much as I love Colin Moriarty, as much as he's a great guy, he was not the most valuable person or the most valuable asset at Kind of Funny. Kind of Funny survived without him. If he was really the most valuable person, kind of funny would have sunk like a ship and died. What would have happened to the Patriots this season without Tom Brady? The Patriots are now five and two, uh, five and two. They, they were four and two through the first six games with a horrendous, horrendous defense, a defense making mistakes, doing things that's like, are we watching the Patriots right now? Is this the New England Patriots, the pa- the team I know that doesn't make errors, the team that's fantastic? Because right now, you guys look atrocious. And Tom Brady carried the Patriots to a 4-2 record. One games that you were like, Ugh, I don't know that we can do that. And I don't mean, when, when I say this, here's, here's the problem with what I'm saying right now. You would say, okay, take any starting quarterback off any NFL team. Of course they're going to suck. That's not my point. Because yes, take Andy Dalton off the Bengals. Bengals are terrible. Take Russell Wilson away. Seahawks are awful. Derek Carr's gone. Raiders can't win. Without a franchise quarterback, you can't win in the NFL. Agreed. 100%. What I mean is, if you take Russell Wilson and put him on the Patriots, if you take Big Ben and put him on the Patriots, or Cam Newton, or Matt Ryan, the Patriots would not be 5-2 right now. The Patriots would not be, the Patriots would be atrocious. Matt Ryan couldn't have done what Tom Brady has done this season, carrying a bad roster that... Uh, Sorry, an average roster with a couple good receivers and a terrible defense winning games. Tom Brady is a remarkable, remarkable football player doing things that some people can't even comprehend. We should appreciate Tom Brady. He is the NFL MVP. He's the best quarterback right now in the NFL, and he's over 40 years old. That is unbelievable. We should appreciate what he's doing. And we should really celebrate him because he is, he's one of a kind. We've never had a guy like Tom Brady and probably never will ever again. The Patriots are really shifting their, the, the, the Patriots are going to finally be successful this year. I'm very excited for the Patriots. I said earlier this year that the Patriots were making fixable mistakes. What I mean by that is the Patriots were doing things on defense that you're like, again, is this the New England Patriots? What's happening? What are, what are the Patriots known for? What do we always know about the Patriots? The Patriots are always disciplined. The Patriots always are in the right spot. The Patriots are fantastic. And they're fantastically disciplined. They ne- they're always in the right spot. They're always well prepared. And this year, we've seen the Patriots defense miss assignments, miss wide open, leave guys wide open. Make incredibly bad mental errors. Things the Patriots do not do is make mental errors. But now we can finally get excited about the New England Patriots. Now the New England Patriots are back to being Super Bowl contenders. They, they were already good. Tom Brady was going to get them to the playoffs, make some noise. Now their defense, their defense doesn't have to play great. The New England Patriots defense does not have to be amazing and lead the league in defense. They just need to play competently. They need to not blow coverage and leave guys wide open. If the if the Patriots can play average defense, they can win a Super Bowl because they have Tom Brady. Again, the NFL MVP, in my opinion. And, and I'll be honest, I doubted the Patriots. I doubted the Patriots earlier this year. And then I took a step back and I realized, who are we talking about? The New England Patriots. Tom Brady, the guy who has been doubted his whole life. And I realized... You know, I did NFL Buy or Sell last week, which is a, a segment where I pick, you know, who, who do I want to buy? Who I think is who's on the rise this week in the NFL? And I bought the Patriots because I think the Patriots, I'm, I'm never again going to doubt the Patriots. I'm never going to bet against the Patriots ever again, as long as they have Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and Robert Kraft. Because the New England Patriots are like a, a stock. They're like a reliable, secure stock. Microsoft is a reliable, secure stock. Facebook isn't going anywhere. They might have days where they lose a little bit of money. But ultimately, if you buy Microsoft, that's a secure, stable stock. There's a good foundation there. And that's what the Patriots have. They have a good, stable foundation. And they're not going anywhere anytime soon. Again, they have Robert Kraft, a great owner. Bill Belichick, the best coach, in my opinion, of all time. And the best quarterback of all time, Tom Brady. And even, let's say, Tom Brady retires at the end of the season. They have Jimmy Garoppolo. I believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. And you know why I believe in Jimmy Garoppolo? Why the Patriots, until we lose Belichick, why we, until the Patriots lose Belichick, the Patriots are going to hang around. Because Jimmy Garoppolo is fantastic. Jimmy Garoppolo is, and here's why I think Jimmy Garoppolo is amazing. The Patriots still have him on their roster. The Patriots could have traded Jimmy Garoppolo a long time ago. The Patriots could have easily gotten rid of him. But they clearly believe in him because he's still in a Patriots uniform. Because Belichick knows eventually we're going to need to be ready for the day that Tom Brady leaves. And Jimmy Garoppolo is the next in line to replace Tom Brady. The Patriots are back. The Patriots are once again title contenders. Their defense is playing competent football. And if they can continue that, the Patriots are scary. And the Patriots could win a Super Bowl. The Patriots, if the Patriots can play good defense, the Patriots are once again a team that could win a Super Bowl. Just like we thought earlier in the year. The Patriots could be title contenders once again. I want to talk about something I I, I did not agree with. Something that really kind of infuriated me, and I, I was writing about this and just getting increasingly, increasingly angry. The Suns just fired their head coach, Earl Watson, and so... Much of this angers me. There are so many little things that are a part of this. that just drive me nuts and really, really make me angry. The Suns have terrible, terrible management. Oh my goodness. It's it's ridiculous. I'm not saying Earl Watson is a good coach. In fact, I don't think Earl Watson is a good coach. But Earl Watson has been a victim of just horrendous, horrendous management. Time and time again. The sons have done dumb things and done, made bad mistakes. The sons have a terrible culture. And here's why I'm not blaming Earl Watson. In fact, I'm blaming Eric Bledsoe and I'm blaming the ownership and the general manager because Eric Bledsoe signed in 2014. Eric Bledsoe signed a f- f- contract for f- five years, 71, $70 million. So again, Eric Bledsoe 2014 signs the contract five years, $70 million. He signed a contract, decided to stay in Phoenix. He made a choice to be there. He made a conscious decision to be in Phoenix and sign his life away to Phoenix. Another thing you need to know to understand this story, where I'm coming from, is that last year, the Phoenix Suns also tanked. The Phoenix Suns sat, let's see what they do. They sat starters and they played their young guys. They were not trying to win at the end of the year. So to take away from that, you can't blame Earl Watson for losing last year because you weren't trying to win games. That wasn't your objective. And then the other day, Eric Bledsoe, this oh, this guy that I just I really don't like anymore. I never, I never really cared about him before. I didn't know who he was. But now I'm like, oh, Eric Bledsoe? You're, I don't like you at all. Eric Bledsoe tweeted, I don't want to be here. And he's had a bad attitude all year. He's been asking for trades. He clearly does not want to be in a Phoenix Suns uniform. But Eric Bledsoe tweets, don't want to be here. And an hour later, her Watson is fired. Eric Bledsoe has a terrible attitude. This is what I hate about the NBA. This is what drives me nuts. It's my biggest criticism of the NBA. The difference between the NFL and the NBA is this. We give all these immature young guys a ton of money, and then we give them a ton of power. See, in the NFL, if this has happened in the NFL, if there was an NFL player who was criticizing his franchise and saying he wanted out, we would criticize the player, and the player would be reprimanded. Maybe not monetarily, but just the league would not treat this guy very kindly. And the media would not side with Eric Bledsoe if Eric Bledsoe was an NFL player. But the NBA players have too much power. And and who is Eric? You know, Eric Bledsoe is not LeBron James. Eric Bledsoe is not Steph Curry or Kevin Durant. Who is Eric Bledsoe to get a coach fired? Are you kidding me? Eric Bledsoe, the guy who was an all-star one time, whose name I can't even recognize, I can't even see the guy in my head, because he's not very relevant. He may be a good basketball player, sure, but Eric Bledsoe is going to determine what you do with your franchise. Look, if LeBron had done this, if LeBron had said, I want out, fire the coach, get, and maybe he did. But if LeBron had done it this way, this passive aggressive, awful way, what would we do to LeBron James? We would heavily criticize. In fact, last year, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the, before Tyron Lewis coach, Cleveland LeBron said he wanted the coach out, and we blasted LeBron. We said, LeBron, he has too much power. We don't like that. But why does LeBron not get away with it, but Eric Bledsoe does? Why do we hold Eric Bledsoe to less of us? St- it just makes no sense. If LeBron James can't get away with it, Eric Bledsoe surely shouldn't be able to get away with it. And I understand being frustrated. I understand if you're Eric Bledsoe being in a situation and, and in a franchise and in a culture that you don't like. I switched schools in high school. I left a bad high school that didn't win a single game the year before. I went to a better high school with a good culture, good coaches, and a good program and won games, had fun. I understand how Eric Bledsoe feels, not wanting to be there. But when I was in a bad culture and a bad team at a bad high school, you know what I never did? I never went on Twitter and was childish and mean and talked bad about my coaches. I put my head down. I worked. I had a good attitude, and I wanted to turn it around. And then eventually when I gave up, I just left. I never trashed anyone. I never made fun of anybody. I never called for anyone's job. I did think the head coach should have been fired, and he was. And we moved on. We got a better coach at the old school. But I never said that. See, what Eric Bledsoe did going onto Twitter, that is childish and silly. That's like high school girls. In fact, I was with a girl last night who was showing me a group message where this girl's like, look, my boyfriend's so mean and puts their texts, their personal like text between her and her boyfriend onto a group chat for like 30 girls to see. That's childish and immature. You don't air your dirty laundry that way. There's a better way to go around. Is Earl Watson a good coach? I don't know that Earl Watson is a good coach. I really don't think so. Probably not that, you know, the sons are terrible. But what do you gain by firing Earl Watson three games into the season? That's the other part of this. So, first of all, this is why I don't like the man, Why I don't blame Earl Watson, why I blame the upper management, and why I blame Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe does, I don't like the coach. And the upper management says, I'm blaming, I'm siding with the player, not the coach. And upper management made a terrible, silly decision. That I don't understand. What do you gain by firing Earl Watson three games into the season? What do you know now, three games into the season, that you didn't know a week ago? Absolutely nothing. That's like it's like getting married, and the first week of the marriage, you're like, you know what, this isn't working. I'm gonna bail. The honeymoon was great, but you know, now that we got back, and you like Greek yogurt and I don't, it's over. What? You didn't know that before? Like, I, I just, I don't know. I, I just, I fundamentally don't understand. I think the Suns have horrible management. They need to it's a mess. The Suns are a mess. And I don't, I will never, regardless of how good your coach is, when you fire coach three games into the season, it's not just the coach's fault. There are st- structural errors and management errors and all kinds of bigger issues within the Suns organization. My name is Zach Schellmer. I'm taking a short break. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Uh, find, you go, we are also on YouTube. Go like this uh, video, subscribe to my channel on YouTube. And tell your friends about the show. I want to keep growing. I have good stuff ahead. I want to talk about Florida State football next, the Denver Broncos a little bit, later Lonzo Ball. I'm going to take a short break, and I'll be right back. Oh, sorry if I got a little fired up. I think I, was, I think I was talking really quickly, and I was really kind of frustrated because I just, ugh, Earl Watson, that thing got me all excited, got me all fired up, feel weird about it. So sorry, if I was yelling and freaking out and talking really quickly, I want to talk about Florida State football. Week one of the college football season, Florida State lost to Alabama seven to 24. And you know and it was actually more competitive than 7 to 24. Florida State really hung in there and, and showed that Alabama can be beat, because Florida State and Alabama were battling back and forth. It was a really good football game. And after the game, we were like, "Wow! Whoever wins, whoever doesn't win this game probably still could come back and compete for a national championship. That's how good Alabama and Florida State were. But then DeAndre Francois got hurt. That's the Florida State quarterback. He got hurt in that game, hurt his leg, out for the season. And ever since then, Florida State has become the best college football team that never was. Florida State has been pretty average. Um, They haven't been able to win. And the lesson here is that and it's something I've been preaching all year in the NFL season, in NFL and college. I say this all the time. You need a quarterback to win football games. Quarterback is the most important position in all of sports. More important, a football team is like a car. A football team is a, a car and your quarterback is the engine without a quarterback, without an engine, the car can't move. You need a quarterback to win games. That is why Florida State is 2-3, and three, and why Florida State is went from being title contender to nothing. And we're like talking, should Jimbo Fisher leave? I'm literally seeing articles saying, should Jimbo Fisher leave college football? That's what can happen when you don't have a quarterback. You need a quarterback to win games. You know who doesn't have a quarterback? The Denver Broncos. Man, I, I fell for this one. I, I feel silly. My, you know, again, I have this a segment called NFL Buy or Sell, and last week I bought the D, the. I, last week I bought the Broncos. I said the Denver Broncos, they struggle at quarterback, but they have a great defense, and their defense can carry their football team. Boy, was I wrong! I made a mistake. I made a dumb one too. I've been saying this all year, and I didn't trust my own advice. You need a quarterback to win games, and the Broncos do not have a quarterback. The Broncos have I think the best defensive group in the NFL. Their their defense is incredible. Their personnel they can run coverages that no one else in the league can run. That's why they shut down the Cowboys so well. They they can they can cover, they can they can bring blitzes, they have pressure up front. They're a special group of guys. However, without a quarterback, you can't win. And the Broncos cannot win until they get a better quarterback. And the problem is, I don't know how they're going to get a better quarterback. Because they're going to go like seven and nine, six and 10, get a very middle of the road draft pick, maybe eight and eight. And they're not going to get a quarterback in the draft. They're going to have to trade away some of their defensive stars to get a quarterback. And even then, the teams with the top two picks are like, we're not parting with our draft picks. We want Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen or whoever comes out, right? So they're going to have to trade with probably the Colts. The Colts have it. i think, or sorry, the, <laughs> the Indianapolis Colts have a very smart plan. I think what they're impl- implementing, which is Andrew Luck, you maybe you could play this year, but just sit out. We're gonna let you sit. We'll play Jacoby Brissett, and eventually we will trade Jacoby Brissett and something else for better draft picks, or for more, we'll get more players, and you can have our young draft pick. We're, does that make sense? Because the, the Colts don't need a quarterback. They have Andrew Luck, unless something horribly wrong goes with Andrew Luck, and like he hurts his neck like Peyton Manning did, but. I don't see any hope in the future for the Broncos getting a quarterback. And they're clearly going to need to do something. Because without a quarterback, the Broncos are going to flounder and are not going to win for years to come. Broncos are in trouble. You guys want to talk about Lonzo Ball? Because I want to talk about Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball is my favorite basketball player in the NBA. I love, I love, I love, I love Lonzo Ball. And I, you know, it's weird because I love LeBron James. And currently I think Lonzo Ball is even more interesting than LeBron James. That's how much I love Lonzo Ball. I am Lonzo Ball's number one fan. And that being said, y'all need to chill. Everybody needs to relax about Lonzo Ball. I love Lonzo. I'm his biggest fan. I think I'm I think he's my favorite player in the NBA. I think LeBron, I think Lonzo Ball is going to be the biggest star in the NBA someday. I think he's going to bring a championship to Los Angeles. But people need to relax about Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball is not that great right now. He's he's fine. But in the first game, he got pretty much shut down by Patrick Beverly. And and everyone said this. Everyone said after, after getting shut down by Patrick Beverly and having a rough first game, everyone said, Lonzo sucks. Lonzo's terrible. And then the next game, he has almost a triple-double, and suddenly the narrative is, Lonzo is the face of the league. Lonzo's the best player. I'm seeing all over Twitter, like, Lonzo's amazing. (laughs) And and it's like, can we pick a side? Everyone's freaking, there's an extreme right and extreme left, and everyone's always, he's the best. He's terrible. It's like, can we just have moderation? Because that's honestly what it is. Let's face it. If we talk about Lonzo Ball, and I, I read this all the time, Lonzo Ball's youngest to do this. And he's the youngest to do that. He's the youngest Laker to have this many points or this many assists. And it's like, that's cool. It's very exciting. But let's face it. If his name wasn't Lonzo Ball, and if Lonzo Ball wasn't 19, would we care about anything he's doing? No, he's, he's a guy with triple doubles. He has a lot of assists. Uh, he's, he, he didn't even have a triple double. He had almost a triple double. Relax. He's 19. He's younger than me, and I'm a baby. He's younger than me. He's smaller than me. And he the guy the guy is a good basketball player, but he's not there. He killed the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns are the worst NBA team in the league. Relax. Slow down. I love Lonzo. Favorite basketball player in the NBA, but he's not there. He's not horrible and he's not awful. He's just Lonzo. He's in the middle. He's a rookie. Give him time to develop. Give him time to breathe. Before we overreact that he's the greatest, and we overreact that he's the worst. Right now, Lonzo Ball is average. He's an average basketball player, doing cool stuff, because, and it's cool because he's 19. But let's not freak out, everybody. Let's take a step back, and let's relax our narrative on Lonzo Ball. I love L.A. L.A. is... You know, I spent a lot of time in L.A. this summer. I really like the people in L.A. I like the culture. I I just... I know that's maybe an unpopular opinion, but I enjoy Los Angeles. I like LA. I'm rooting for the Dodgers in the World Series. I enjoy LA. I like that area. The Astros and the Dodgers are playing in the World Series. And, you know, I follow a lot of the Dodgers players on Instagram. I haven't followed baseball, I haven't watched baseball. But I've looked at their Instagrams and kind of kept up with their season that way. They're like, they do funny stuff, and they prank each other, and they have fun. I like the Dodgers. They're good guys. They dominated this season. Um, And I'm rooting for the Dodgers in the World Series. But I want to say this. The Houston Astros, well, I'm not rooting for them. Well, I really, I believe that, you know, here's how confident I am in the Dodgers. I believe the Dodgers could win in five games. I think Verlander is going to win a game for the, the Astros, and I think the Dodgers could just absolutely annihilate the Astros the rest of these games. The Dodgers are incredible. Great pitching, great hitting. Like, the Dodgers are remarkable. But let's not forget how big a deal the Astros being good is. I know the, I know the, late, the Dodgers were awful, but the Astros? The Astros were a joke. The Astros were the Cleveland Browns of baseball. Like, I would look at my baseball cards growing up, and I didn't even want the Astros cards. I collected baseball cards, and I didn't even want the ones that belonged to Astros players because the Astros were just a joke. No one took them seriously. They've overcome. They've come back. It's a cool story. You know, growing up, I knew a guy who I hung out with him in middle school. He was a big troublemaker, always getting into trouble. He went to juvie. You know, he, he just did drugs. He was a mess. Um, and in high school, he kind of figured it out. He shaped up a little bit, but then senior year, we found out that the guy was sleeping on people's couches and the guy's mom was a drug addict. The guy had a a crazy rough life. eh? It's like, man, I I thought I had a rough life. He, this, I was lucky. This kid sleeping on his neighbor's couch every night, not telling anybody, getting a 4.0 eventually in high school, doing great stuff. Well, he went on and he. He's now a senior in college. He got a full-ride scholarship for academic stuff. Um, and and he, he's, he's really, really kicking butt in life. He's about to graduate college. That is a good story. That is like, hey, man, you've overcome. You've been through stuff. You've came back. That is the Houston Astros. Similar to him, the Houston Astros have been through a lot. It's an amazing story. The Astros are incredible. It's like the Cleveland Browns of baseball. So while I'm rooting for the Dodgers, I just want to appreciate What the Astros have going on is really special and really cool. And I'm not rooting for them, but I wouldn't be too mad. Even though I really want the Dodgers to win. Even though I love the Dodgers players. Mm, I wouldn't be too upset if the Astros won. Because it's a really cool story they got going for them. How many do we have left? We have the Steelers coming up. Steph Curry got ejected out of a game. I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, And then I want to talk about Miami football. I'm going to take a short break. I'll be right back when I return. Steelers, Steph Curry... Um, Subscribe to my podcast on iTunes. It's on iTunes. It's fantastic. I also put my videos on YouTube. And tell your friends about the show. I want to grow. Um, On Wednesday, my buddies Mark and Drake are coming on the show again. That'll be really fun. I can't wait. Um, So tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. I'm trying to grow the podcast and grow the audience. It is growing a little bit. It's really fun. But tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'll be right back. I want to be very honest about something. Uh, That was a very strange occurrence. that just happened to me. So normally... When I take my break, I'll say, I'm going to take a short break, I'll be right back, and then I go grab some water, or I, you know, hopefully someday, I'll have ads, I like can insert ads into those little segments, um, but today, you know, I was, I was running really late, so I ended up leaving and going to take a test, so I just took a test, and I feel, I feel tremendously better, like, I didn't realize how much that was weighing me down, how much I was really stressed about that test, until I finished the test, and I was like, I'm free, I feel great, so I want to talk about the Steelers basically, is the point of all this whole thing. The Steelers have won two games in a row, and everybody, everybody is riding the Steelers' high horse. They're talking about the Steelers are great, the Steelers are making a comeback, the Steelers are legit. And and the narratives all around them are saying that they're fixing their issues. And I simply don't buy that. I don't believe that. I don't believe in the Steelers. Um, So I would say, to everyone who's saying that, not so fast. I do not believe in the Steelers. They have had repeated issues over and over and over again. And even though they're on a two-game winning streak, they have another repeated issue. So last year, some earlier this year, Big Ben has called out the head coach of the Steelers, Mike Tomlin, many, many times. And Antonio Brown, their big wide receiver, their big star wide receiver, he's a complete diva. He has issues. He does Facebook Live after playoff games. He does stupid, stupid things. The Steelers have all kinds of issues within their locker room. But this is the newest, most recent issue the Steelers have dealt with. Martavis Bryant said on Twitter, went on Twitter saying he wants out. And now today he's not been in meetings. Martavis Bryant is causing all kinds of issues. He's a wide receiver for the Steelers. And is, I guess, frustrated because he's not getting the ball enough. Um, the Steelers have been unraveling. The, really for the last couple of years. But now it's becoming very prevalent. The Steelers have significant significant issues in the locker room i love mike tomlin the guy mike tomlin the steelers head coach i you know i would love to get a beer with mike tomlin i say that all the time but i really mean that i'm sure he would be a fantastic fun energetic interview but the truth about mike tomlin is underneath his head his head coaching the steelers have had tremendous locker room dysfunction You know, the further we've gotten from Bill Cowher, Bill Cowher, the the former Steelers head coach, the coach that was there when Ben Roethlisberger got there. Bill Cowher was known as a, oh, just a man's man. Very, very intense. Kind of like Tom Coughlin from the formerly of the Giants. Always in charge. Always got his way. The further we've gotten from Mike Tomlin who inherited from Bill Cowher, the old coach, he inherited, Mike Tomlin inherited, a Hall of Fame quarterback, Big Ben. He inherited a great defense. He inherited Dick LeBeau. And the farther we've gotten away from him, the, the worse and the more the Steelers have unraveled. The more issues we've had with the Steelers. The less they've seen buttoned up and secure. As, like kind of the Patriots are secure. The Steelers are the opposite of the Patriots. Mike Tomlin can't reel them in. And earlier in this show, I talked about how the Phoenix Suns have all these issues. And while I, I don't think they're all the head... I, I, I said the Phoenix Suns have all kinds of issues. And I did not blame the head coach. I blamed upper management, and I blamed the players. Here's why it's different from Mike Tomlin. So both teams, the Steelers and the Suns, have culture issues. Mike Tomlin is at fault with the Steelers because of how many players he has. On an NBA roster, you have a 12-man team. And on the Phoenix Suns, you have one guy... Eric Bleds, who is causing issues. And then you have the upper management, the general manager, the owner, who support the player, not the coach. That's an issue. That's upper management. That is the players. And, and it's some of the coach. I'm sure the coach has all kinds of issues that have caused the bad culture in Phoenix. However, the difference with Mike Tomlin is it's multiple players. It's multiple incidences all throughout his locker room. That is the coach's fault. The coach and football is a different sport. More players, more centered around the coach, less star driven. The coach drives a football locker room. It is Mike Tomlin's job to reel his guys in, and he is doing a piss poor effort of doing so. Mike Tomlin is to blame for the Steelers' issues. Yes, Big Ben is getting old, and Antonio, Bryant, uh, Antonio Brown is a diva, and they have all kinds of issues, but the Steelers need Mike Tomlin to either step up and, and reel everybody in and to help everybody focus. Or they're not gonna they're not gonna make it up. They're not gonna win a Super Bowl again. I don't think Mike Tomlin can win another Super Bowl in Pittsburgh. I think it's gonna it's eventually he's gonna lose his job because this is what the Steelers are gonna do for the next couple of years until Big Ben retires. They'll make the playoffs and they'll fizzle out. They'll do nothing because their division is terrible. The AFC North is a horrible, horrendous division. You have the Browns, the Ravens, the Bengals, who are just atrocious, and despite having good players, I. I I'm going to do a topic on Wednesday. What's wrong with the Bengals? Why can't they figure it out? Um, but here's what the Steelers are going to do this year. They'll make the playoffs. The Steelers will make the playoffs. They'll win their division. And nothing more will happen. And they're going to have a couple more incidences where maybe a coach gets kicks off the team. Or there's going to be some altercation or complaining in the locker room. That's what the Steelers are. The Steelers aren't very buttoned up. And it's Mike Tomlin's fault. Okay. This weekend, Steph Curry was ejected from a basketball game. And and I really wasn't inclined to talk about it. I don't because I don't care I just I was not planning on talking about this and for context I'm not a Steph Curry fan I don't like Steph Curry really much at all I I think he's amazing I think I think Steph Curry is the best shooter at, I, I truly believe this Steph Curry is the best basketball player uh, best shooter he's the best shooter ever to play basketball Steph Curry's shooting is amazing I don't know about his defense so he's a good passer fine but what Steph Curry does is shoot the ball amazing and he has so many fans. And everybody loves Steph Curry. Steph Curry can do no wrong. And that's what I really don't like about Steph Curry. Steph Curry gets away with doing things that LeBron James could not do. The narrative around LeBron James is that he's a whiner. LeBron James, you know, throws temper tantrums and does all kinds of stuff. Well, everybody's favorite player, Steph Curry, does the exact same thing with no repercussions. Nobody punishes Steph Curry. Nobody calls Steph Curry out. And and honestly, when Steph Curry was ejected from a game for throwing his mouthpiece, yes, his disgusting, dirty mouthpiece at a referee because he didn't like the call, I wasn't going to talk about it. I didn't care that much. I figured it'll be better narratives around it. I don't have much to say. But then I listened to the interviews after the game. Steph Curry says that he did something stupid, that he deserved to get kicked out. Great. Yes, take accountability for your actions. I mean, it does sound insincere, but then he says this. He says he's learned from it. I don't buy that at all. Steph Curry's gotten kicked out of a game for doing this exact same thing before in the NBA finals. Steph Curry showboats. Steph Curry does all kinds of things that LeBron James could not get away with, that other stars in the NBA could not get away with and keep their fan base. But Steph Curry gets preferential treatment. Steph Curry does whatever he wants. That's what I really don't like about Steph Curry. That kind of, that bothers me. It rubs me the wrong way. It's no good. You know, we need to hold Steph Curry accountable for his actions. He says it. He says, you know, I did stupid things, da-da-da. But then his coach goes out there and says, oh, and makes fun of it. His coach goes out and laughs. This is not a joke. Steph Curry is one of the most prominent, biggest, most important players in the NBA. There are a lot of kids looking up to you. And there are guys like me who are skeptical and say, Steph Curry's really cocky and and unlikable. So at first, my reaction was, that's that's good. I like that he's taking accountability. But then I learned the tone of it. And it was like, ah, you're just not taking this seriously. And your coach isn't taking you seriously. Your coach is making fun of the situation. Like, what would we do if Cam Newton did this? What if this happened in the NFL? What if an NFL player threw their helmet at a ref? We had a situation last week where Marshawn Lynch, put his he just touched the referee. Not even, didn't even seem like an aggressive. He was just kind of frustrated and accidentally touched the referee. He got thrown out of the game and suspended for a game. And suspended for one game is like being suspended for six in the NBA. And I really would like to see Steph Curry get a suspension. He deserves it. He earned it. You can't act that way. That's not tolerated and it shouldn't be tolerated. And we need to send a message to guys, young kids, Watching the NBA, that's not acceptable behavior. You can't do that. Even if you're Steph Curry, even if you are, everyone seems to think you're the next gift from God. Steph Curry gets such preferential treatment. It drives me nuts. Makes me sick. So I really, really, it just rubbed me the wrong way. I didn't sit right with me. I didn't like Steph Curry. I was fine with it at first. And then I I stewed on it and I watched the interviews afterwards and I was like, Steph Curry isn't taking this seriously and he should. Okay, I feel like I'm often incredibly negative on this show, and I don't mean to be. It's just I see things, and I want to talk about them. I'm like, that's a bad idea, or, or this coach is bad, or Mike Tomlin is this, and I want to celebrate someone. I really want to celebrate Mark Richt. This is one of the untold, underreported storylines of this uh, college football season. The Miami Hurricanes are 6-0. The Miami Hurricanes are... Really, really winning. A lot of games are fantastic. They look good. It's a cool, cool story. But the coolest story is their head coach Mark Richt. Mark Richt was fired from Georgia after really, really dominating at Georgia. Here's what Mark Richt did at Georgia. In 14 <laughs> seasons at Georgia, Mark Richt had nine 10 win seasons. Nine of the 14 times he was the head coach at when nine of the 14 seasons, he was the head coach at Georgia. He won ten games. He went to fourteen bowl games every year Mark Richt coached in Georgia. He won a bowl game. That's outstanding. The other seasons he went eight and five, eight and five, eight and four, nine and four, and his worst season. This is his worst season at a, at the Georgia football program. He went six and seven. In his worst season at Georgia, he was still bowl eligible and got to a bowl game. Are you kidding me? And they fired that guy. They Georgia fired Mark Richt because he couldn't beat Alabama. When nobody can beat Alabama, Georgia's winning. It's really good. I'm happy for them. But Mark Richt got shafted. Mark Richt got screwed over. And I want to talk about that and celebrate how good of a coach he is. Because he has elevated Miami and he's won everywhere he's been. Mark Richt is one of the best coaches in the in college football, and no one's talking about him. I'm really excited to see what Miami does. I don't. I don't know that they're going to still be undefeated at the end of the season. I don't, I don't think they are. They have Virginia Tech coming up, Notre Dame, and then eventually they'll play Clemson and probably the ACC championship. Um, but currently Miami's ranked ranked eighth in the nation, and I just want to celebrate Mark Richt. You're incredible. You've done amazing things. You are a fantastic coach, one of the best coaches in college football, and I just want to give you a standing ovation. You are You're amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate you, Mark Richt wow, you were really unjustified when you were fired from Georgia. I went to a game this weekend, and it was pretty mundane. It was pretty boring. It was cold. It was rainy. It was wet. This was, of course, Washington State playing Colorado. Um, again, Colorado couldn't complete a pass for most of the game. WSU won 28 to nothing. There's just not much to say. And I think on Wednesday I'm going to talk about why or why not WSU could go 10-2. and two. Uh, But other than that, just not much to say about it. The takeaway is... This weekend I worked at a cold, wet, rainy game. It was pretty miserable. You know, it was the whole entire game was just drizzling down rain. My pants were soaked. I had to put my phone, I had to wrap my phone in a plastic bag to keep it dry. It just it was just everything was drenched and wet. Most people were miserable and most people left at halftime because they didn't want to be in this rainy, horrible, windy condition. I was working on the sidelines, so I had to stay there the whole game. And you know what? You try to go operate a camera in the rain and in the wet and have fun. But have fun is exactly what I did. I had a great time. The reason I had a good time at this game was I had a good attitude. I said, I looked at my friends. My best friend Nathan was there. I said, Nathan, uh, I know this kind of stinks, but we're going to have a good time here. We're going to have a good attitude because we're getting paid to watch college football, to help out, to work for ESPN. It was really, really cool. And I did. I chose to have a good time and had a great attitude. Attitude is everything. The people you want to be around are people that can take a bad situation and still have fun or still be positive and still be encouraging. You want a quarterback like that. When you're down 14 to nothing, you want a quarterback that's saying, let's go, guys. Let's go. Let's get this done. Cam Newton has an attitude issue. I've been... I've been trying for years to figure out why I don't like Cam Newton. I mean, there are probably all kinds of things. I don't like the way he dresses. In fact, I really don't like the way he dresses. I don't like the Superman thing. But his attitude, his body language and his attitude, that is my biggest problem with Cam Newton. We watched a quarterback this weekend, Cam Newton, play the Bears. And at four, he didn't score the entire second half. No one scored the entire second half. When the game was at 14 to nothing, Cam Newton had his head down. Cam Newton looked... Angry and had bad attitude. Like a hang dog, bad, bad attitude. Again, attitude is the most important thing. Your quarterback can't be mopey, can't have a bad attitude. That's not motivating. No one wants to work with that. No one wants to play with that. You cannot be like that as a quarterback. And that is Cam Newton's issue. Cam Newton has a bad attitude. He's one of those guys that when it's raining and wet and cold. He can't say, you know what, I'm going to make the most of this situation and have a good time. That's why I don't like Cam Newton, and that's why Cam Newton should not be considered one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I would not want Cam Newton to be the quarterback of my football team. This is a great game on tonight. The Redskins play the Eagles. I am picking the Eagles to win. I I am, though. Even though I'm I'm picking the Eagles, I'm rooting for Kirk Cousins. Uh, The Eagles, I think, might play in the Super Bowl. They're probably the best team in the NFC. Uh, They're just outstanding. The Eagles are amazing. Um, But the Redskins do need to win more tonight. So that's the interesting Monday Night Football thing. The Redskins need to win more than the Eagles, but I believe the Eagles will win. So my name is Zach Schaumler. This has been Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so much for listening. And go subscribe to the show on iTunes. Uh, iTunes, it's on YouTube. And tell your friends about the show. I'm trying to continue to grow the audience of the show. I really appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much. My name is Zach Schaumler. Have a great day, everybody.